I'm just trying to grab the pieces to be able to rebuild again. Tonight, moving forward in Gastown, new homes for fire victims, but more headaches for business owners. Plus, a mention of reconciliation in the Pope's Easter message. And we really wanted to try to open things up. Reaching the jetty, a path for salmon not seen in 100 years. You're watching Global BC. This is Global News Hour at 6. Good evening and happy Easter. Thanks for joining us. It's been nearly a week since fire destroyed a Gastown hotel that was home to dozens of people. Now a plan has emerged to move them from temporary housing to another hotel in just a matter of days. Amadagahi has the details. Um, you can see how bright the hallway is now. De it definitely didn't look like this last Thursday. It was months worth of repairs all squeezed into the long weekend. So all the sprinkler heads were placed. Um, there's some minor plumbing work that had to be done, uh, holes in the, the walls that had to be patched, just a lot of deferred maintenance stuff. Because starting Monday morning, the dozens of vulnerable people displaced by the horrible fire at Winter's Hotel in Gastown will be offered new accommodation. This time at the Columbia Hotel at the corner of East Cordova and Columbia Street. And there are around 70 rooms here, uh, so um, we'll not only be able to house everyone from the winters, we'll probably have a few extra rooms. Like many of the early 20th century hotels in its vicinity, the Columbia Hotel was first a mainstay for seasonal workers. More recently, it was a low-cost hostel for travelers. And backed by the Van City Credit Union, Atira Property Management purchased the building in February to house vulnerable women and women-headed couples. Well, those plans were pushed aside for the urgent need to house the 71 fire evacuated tenants of the Winters Hotel. So the ability to be able to provide people certainty in such a short period of time just um, seemed like the right thing to do. The new accommodation will offer larger space than a traditional single room occupancy building. There are also shared kitchens and dining areas. Atira CEO Janice Abbott hopes settling here will help those devastated by the fire recover. Um, I think there's a lot of people who are still just uh, trying to come to terms with what happened. Atira also plans to change the name of the building to Tawa, a Cree word that translates to there's always room or welcome. Emadagahi, Global News. Meanwhile, several Gastown business owners who survived two years of the pandemic have either lost everything or remained temporarily closed after the devastating fire. Tonight, as Kristen Robinson reports, those wanting to rebuild in new locations once the burnt-out building is demolished are facing yet another obstacle. It destroyed our lives in a matter of few hours. Everything is gone. Nada and Dino Pessioni are determined to start over after the winter's hotel fire left their Gastown shoe and leather repair business in ruins. This was like a bomb went off in the middle of the day. When the flames broke out, Dino helped upstairs tenants escape while Nada was forced to flee the shop without the tools of her trade. The couple now fighting to get back in to grab irreplaceable items needed to relocate their livelihood. When I don't have anything, um, I don't know where to start from. Accessing to those tools I have, it will give me hope to be able to add to it and rebuild. I have nothing 
and everything that I have for my trade is is inside the store. It's distressing not being able to get in there. Jason Gallup also on the outside looking in. The watchmaker managed to salvage what he could amid the smoke, but has since been unable to access the business he's built up over two decades. I've gathered some of my tools that are in there since I started watchmaking when I was 17. <laughs> we were this close, right? This close uh, to a brighter future. Definitely a, a, a blow, but uh, we will we'll get through this. The April 11th fire happened just one day after Gastown's first weekend of cruise ship traffic in almost three years. Seven businesses below the hotel were displaced, while several others remain closed. We're devastated by the impact of these folks. Um, you know, there's over 60 people whose jobs have been impacted by the loss of these businesses. The Gastown BIA has set up a GoFundMe to support members in need. In an email to one of the affected businesses, the city's chief building official says the decision to deny entry to retail space at 203 Abbott was in the interest of public safety. If a structural engineer determines it's not safe to enter, owners may be able to retrieve items through the demolition contractor. We put so much love and basically we put so much of our passion to this area for 15 years. It was from the heart, so for us we're not going to let it end like this. Kristen Robinson, Global News. A plea tonight from Vancouver police to help find a missing man. 35-year-old Alan Bertwhistle, who also goes by AJ, was last seen near International Village on Wednesday around 3.30 in the afternoon. Surveillance footage shows him walking on Carroll Street towards East Hastings. Bertwhistle is six feet tall with a medium build. He has shoulder-length curly brown hair and a brown beard. He was last seen wearing a beige and tan jacket and had a blue Sonic the Hedgehog backpack. Police are concerned for his well-being. If you have any information on his whereabouts, call 911 and stay with him until help arrives. North Vancouver RCMP are asking for your help to find Gerald Mitchell. The 69-year-old was last seen in the city on Saturday, April 2nd. Police do not believe he's a risk to the public, but they are concerned for his well-being. He drives a 2007 brown Chevrolet Silverado similar to this one. It has BC license plate 2202LH. It is believed he has a hunting rifle with him. If you see him or his vehicle, do not approach. Instead, call 911. A 23-year-old Delta man arrested by Vancouver police last night accused of assaulting two strangers inside a Yaletown hotel. VPD say the man entered the hotel at about 6.30 and assaulted a staff member before entering a guest's room. Charges are pending tonight. Police believe he was not a hotel guest and may have been earlier ejected from the Rugby Sevens event at BC Place. One person has died and another is hurt after an ATV crash in the North Okanagan. The incident happened around 8.30 last night on Ashton Cook Road, about 15 minutes west of Enderby. The name of the person killed has not been released. B.C. Emergency Health Services says the wounded person was taken to hospital with what are described as non-critical injuries. Police believe alcohol was a factor in the incident. A man is in hospital with life-threatening injuries following an overnight crash in Abbotsford. Police say a jeep traveling on Marshall Road slammed into some trees before hitting a retaining wall and shearing off a utility pole. The crash happened around 10.30 last night. Marshall Road was closed between McCallum and Horizon while crews repaired the utility pole. 
Anyone who witnessed the crash or has dash cam footage of the Jeep before the collision is asked to contact Abbotsford Police. Well, a heads up tonight for travelers this long weekend, especially ferry travelers. A wind warning has been issued for parts of Vancouver Island. Meteorologist Yvonne Schell is here now with which areas we're talking about, Yvonne. Yeah, we've got this uh, weather maker that is going to push in. The island will be a big concern and the risk along the island will also be down trees and we're looking at the potential for power outages. Now, this weather maker is just on our doorstep. We'll start to see it push in with some of the heavier precipitation overnight tonight, but ahead of it, very windy conditions. Overnight and for tomorrow morning, we could see those wind gusts up to 90 or 70 and up to 90 kilometers per hour. Victoria will be included within that. Eastern areas and extending into the Sunshine Coast and the western edge of the island, a big concern as well, with the southeasterly winds sustained at 80 and then gusts of up to 100 kilometers per hour. Also tracking rainfall for most areas along the south coast and we've got a snowfall, our special weather statement for snowfall. If you're traveling along the mountain passes, we could see up to 15 centimeters. I'll show you which areas and the timeline coming up very shortly. Jordan? Not a holiday weekend in the weather department. No. Thanks, <laughs> Police on Vancouver Island are releasing surveillance video of a pickup truck linked to a five-year-old investigation into a random machete attack in Oak Bay. In April 2017, police say a woman was violently attacked by a stranger while alone in her waterfront home on Esplanade Road across from Willows Beach. The next day, investigators discovered a secondary crime scene in Souk, about 45 kilometers west of Oak Bay. Video evidence shows a blue Ford Explorer sport track going back and forth on Souk Road from this crime scene. Police want to hear from anyone who saw the truck in the area on April 26, 2017. Saanich police detectives have also uncovered new evidence they say may lead to the identification of a suspect and the recommendation of charges. For the first time in more than a month, Kelowna General Hospital has declared a COVID-19 outbreak. Interior Health says there are 20 cases connected to the outbreak in the rehab unit that started on April 12th. Two care homes in Kamloops are also experiencing outbreaks. The BC Centre for Disease Control reports that as of Thursday, there were 80 people hospitalized in Interior Health with COVID-19, six of them in critical care. The Pope spoke of reconciliation within the Catholic Church during his Easter Sunday address. Al Signore Risorto domandiamo di accompagnare il cammino di riconciliazione che la Chiesa Cattolica Canadese In Italian, Pope Francis addressed the journey of reconciliation that the Catholic Church in Canada is making with the indigenous peoples as he celebrated Easter Mass before tens of thousands in St. Peter's Square. More than two weeks ago, the pontiff held talks with Indigenous delegations from Canada over the impact of residential schools, some of which were operated by the Catholic Church. Plans are underway for the Pope to visit some Indigenous lands in Canada later this summer as part of the reconciliation process. A B.C. First Nation has signed an historic agreement with the provincial government. The agreement will help govern the protection, planning and placement of children who are in the child welfare system. It also ensures the band and ministry work together on care plans for youth without uprooting a child from their home, culture and community. Our story tonight is from CFJC News. This week, a historic document was signed at the Simic First Nation, Twasset Mentum, the first child welfare agreement of its kind in the province. I'm just very, very proud for our community. I'm very proud for our people. I am proud of the people who worked so diligently and hard on this. It is our responsibility to ensure 
things like the residential school, the 60s scoop, never happens again. Twas said mentum, which means walking together, is more than two years in the making. It took a lot of work from both SIMC and the Ministry of Child and Family Development to come to an agreement. As far as the intense negotiations, I believe that the last couple of weeks have been very intense just with our discussions. And it's, it's probably one of the best, I believe, um, agreements that we have in place. This is actually going to be changing the future for children. Minister well, Mitzi is, Dean says it will start to change is, how child not, services it, are delivered, aiming to make sure SIMC youth who need an alternative care or living situation are not displaced from communities. And so this agreement underlines how we'll be working together with SIMC community um, and with the ministry to make sure that uh, SIMC children and youth are able to stay connected to family and community and culture. This agreement signifies a new path for Indigenous people. Band leadership spoke of how when children and youth are removed from home communities, they lose important connections to their culture, land and identity. So our next step after this will now will be the work of starting to actually negotiate our own jurisdiction agreement that will give us the authority to have, as I said, those three P's. We would have that protection, we would have that planning, and then we would have that placement, ideally within our own community or within their own family unit. I think this is a guiding light. I think this really shines the way for that transformation. The province is hoping the document will also serve as a guide for other nations who want to begin forming their own child welfare agreements. And we are working with nations under the Federal Act as well to be able to create um, coordination agreements with them so that they can ex actually exercise jurisdiction. Cook P. Loring reiterates that this is a living document and can be reviewed and revised as needed. It's also an interim measure, marking one step towards the band exercising their inherent jurisdiction. Delana Nisha, CFJC News. Defying Russia's demand to surrender or die. Coming up on the news hour, the fight for Mariupol, a city on the verge of falling to Putin's forces. Plus... She chose labor and delivery, like she's right at the end of our hall. The BC maternity nurse is now keeping an eye on a mother goose. That's later. Welcome back. In Ukraine, Russia's defense ministry says Canadians are among some 2,500 fighters left encircled in the besieged city of Mariupol after defying a surrender or die demand early this morning. The number of Canadians is not known, with some experts saying the number of fighters still left is closer to 800. Still, it appears the port city is on the brink of falling. Global's Redmond Shannon reports, but first a warning, some of the images are disturbing. This is the huge Azovstal steelworks in Mariupol. According to Russia's Ministry of Defense, it is the last part of the city yet to fall, with troops holed up inside its maze of buildings and tunnels. Russia's Ministry of Defense says some Canadians and other foreigners are among the fighters inside the factory. Ukraine's Foreign Legion told Global News for security reasons it can't confirm the presence of Canadians at the site. The Kremlin had given the soldiers there a deadline of Sunday morning to surrender. That has been ignored, despite a Russian threat to kill anyone who hasn't handed themselves over. city still is not fallen. There is still our uh, military forces, our soldiers, so they will fight till the end. Ukraine's Prime Minister defiant when speaking on U.S. television Sunday. 
for, for them, life of the people is nothing. Vladimir Zelensky says peace talks will end if the remaining Mariupol fighters are killed by Russia. The Ukrainian president told CNN why he thinks the fight for the eastern Donbass region is so important. It doesn't mean if they are able to capture Donbass, they won't come further towards Kyiv. That is why, for us, this battle is very important for many reasons. Despite Russia's shift to the east and south, shelling continues in the north too. The regional governor of Kharkiv says five people were killed and at least 13 injured Sunday, with bombing reported near the capital Kyiv too. A moment of togetherness and community in the traumatised town of Bucha, a service to mark Christian Orthodox Palm Sunday, worshippers praying for the dead killed in alleged war crimes. This woman says her son Sasha was killed fighting Russian troops. I don't know how to survive such a loss, she says. Vladimir Zelensky says up to 3,000 Ukrainian troops have already been killed and suggests the civilian total is likely far higher than the official UN figure of almost 2,000 people. Redmond Shannon, Global News, London. Two days ago, dozens of Canadian soldiers boarded a plane for Poland to help with the refugee crisis brought on by the war in Ukraine. Some in Edmonton's Ukrainian community, including one military veteran, are feeling a sense of gratitude and hope that this show of support could lead to more help. Global's Chris Chacon has the story. Andrei Tovstyuk is no stranger to a military operation abroad. Three years ago, as a Ukrainian-Canadian serving in the armed forces, he was deployed to Ukraine where he worked as a linguist for Operation Unifier, the Canadian Armed Forces mission to support the security forces of Ukraine. The mission meant a lot to me, uh, as a not only as a Canadian, um, but also as a Ukrainian. After completing two rotations and ending his service, he returned to civilian life in Edmonton. Now watching the war in Ukraine a world away, he says is difficult and hits close to home. This humanitarian crisis is, is you know, becoming larger and larger uh, as the atrocities uh, committed against the Ukrainian people by the, by the, by the Russians uh, continue to escalate. To help, on Friday, dozens of Canadian Armed Forces soldiers flew out of Edmonton, bound for Poland, to help with humanitarian operations. Welcome news for him and many others wishing they could do more to help while here in Alberta. I'm really glad that the, the government is, has recognized that there's a need to, to support these refugees in Poland um, and, and, and to deploy the forces to help them out in any way that we can is, is really encouraging to see. The community really welcomes the 150 troops that uh, the Canada is sending to the Polish border. There's a huge humanitarian crisis happening in Ukraine. A crisis Stefan Bosser Q is all too familiar with as some of his family still in Ukraine may be traveling to Poland to try to come to Canada. Knowing that my family might be taking that journey across Ukraine into the Polish border, um, knowing that the military will be there to support them uh, brings me some comfort and, and I'm sure brings it some to them as well. A show of military support they hope won't be the last. I look forward to further support from, the, uh, from our federal government to, to help uh, Ukraine finally win, win this war uh, so that they can uh, live in, in peace and, um, and flourish as a nation. Chris Chacon, Global News. 
Breaking down a barrier for salmon. Just ahead on the news hour, the Habitat Restoration Project in Richmond seeing success. Plus, the return of an egg-sighting journey through the forest of Stanley Park. Well, normally a breach in a jetty would be cause for alarm. One such structure has reached out for more than a century where the Fraser River meets the Strait of Georgia. But when it was recently sliced in two, conservationists rejoiced, hopeful for what it could mean for the juvenile salmon passing through. Here's Global's Paul Johnson. There's a huge amount of like nice logs everywhere that you see. That We're heading out toward the end of the Fraser River's North Arm Jetty near YVR. The heavy boat traffic reveals why they built the jetty more than 100 years ago, to help with navigation. But what's good for boats hasn't been great for fish. In the Fraser Estuary, there's a large amount of structures that really disconnect habitats for uh, juvenile Chinook salmon. David Scott is with the Raincoast Conservation Foundation. This was kind of our main construction uh, staging area here. So uh, to create the breach, we have to put in, uh, this is filter rock. So you line kind of the bottom of the breach with that first. With a chunk of cash from the federal government, starting in February, they brought in heavy equipment, working overnight sometimes because of the tides, they created this breach in the jetty that they hope can raise the survival rates of juvenile salmon, particularly Chinook. They want to be able to move slowly from freshwater into kind of higher salinity waters, so getting more and more salty as they move out, and these jetties really make that impossible. There are many reasons behind the decline of our salmon, but one thing that we can do fairly easily is work on the improvement and restoration of shoreline habitat, a lot of it right here in the lower mainland. Previously, Raincoast has opened breaches in the south arm of the Fraser and will likely do another one here on the north arm. When they did some test fishing on this latest project, the results were immediate. Juvenile salmon were already swimming through the breach. To come and see fish in the breach, uh, doing what we were hoping is, is, yeah, it's really exciting. Paul Johnson, Global News. Toronto police are appealing for the public's help after five men were hurt in a drive-by shooting in Scarborough early yesterday. The victims had just finished midnight prayers at a local mosque when the shots rang out. All too often in recent uh, weeks, these random acts of violence, right? So, and that's what I'm, I'm considering this is, is another random act of violence. These individuals, and there's no indication that otherwise that they were here just to gather after prayer. Um, and, and to figure out where they're going to go to eat. So it, it's super, uh, extremely concerning. Police were called to the area at around 1 a.m. All five victims suffered non-life-threatening injuries. Three of them have since been released from hospital, and all five are expected to fully recover. Police say while there is not any evidence at this point to suggest the crime was hate-motivated, the Hate Crimes Unit is involved in the investigation. A noticeable absence today among the royal family attending the annual Easter Sunday service at Windsor Castle. The Duke and Duchess of Cambridge and two of their three children were among the senior royals in attendance, but not the matriarch, the queen. The monarch, who turns 96 on Thursday, has recently been experiencing mobility problems and cut back on public duties. She also had a bout of COVID-19 back in February. A sky-high catwalk is now turning heads in Montreal. Crews installed a pedestrian catwalk 26 stories high this morning. 
Two cranes hoisted the 125,000-pound structure before the wind picked up. When complete, it will connect two residential towers and be accessible only to residents of the two buildings. The developer claims it is the highest structure of its kind ever built in Quebec. An Easter tradition is back on track in Stanley Park. Also ahead tonight, the BC pipeline worker who's getting attention down south for his singing skills. You're watching Global News Hour at 6. Well, he is definitely one to watch. A Kamloops teen is making waves on American Idol. By the banks of the river Where willows hang down Cameron Whitcomb has made it into the top 24 on the hit TV program. He's known for his smooth voice and his on-stage backflips. When he's not warming up his voice, Whitcomb is trying to stay warm, working his construction job on the Trans Mountain Pipeline. As much as I love being, you know, up to my chest in mud and ice, you know, for 12 hours a day, just killing myself, like, I'd much rather entertain at a nice, beautiful Hollywood stage. We will find out later tonight if he does advance to the next round. We certainly wish him luck. <laughs> Meteorologist Devon Shell is here now. Do you just see those backflips? I, I know. He's got moves. He's got just singing and other entertainment. Yeah. On. <laughs> We've had a nice calm before the storm, Jordan. Nice to see you. Good evening, everyone, and happy Easter. Hope you're enjoying the long weekend. A bit of a blip in the forecast is en route with a heads up for tomorrow, and I'll have more on what we're anticipating in just a moment. But it was gorgeous today. We managed to see some dry conditions for the Easter egg hunt for many. Temperatures are currently sitting at 10 degrees. We've got more cloud cover that'll build in this evening, and we've got a northwesterly wind at 11 kilometers per hour. Here's the satellite and radar, so still remaining dry, but there's the rain that's on our doorstep that is going to push in. It'll really intensify intensify late this evening and then continue through the day on Monday. The plan for Metro Vancouver, so overnight tonight, will dip down to 6. The winds are going to pick up, and we've got those winds anywhere between 40 and gusts of up to 60 kilometers per hour. Grab the rain gear for tomorrow, but you'll have to hang on to that umbrella with the winds picking up and continuing through the day. Now, ahead of that system, especially along the island, that's where we do have the wind warning that is in effect. The moisture for all areas along the south coast will continue as we get in towards the evening and areas in towards the interior we are also looking at the potential and chance for some showers. Wind warning that we're seeing for Victoria, eastern areas and along the Sunshine Coast sustained at 70 and then gusts of up to 90 kilometers per hour. Western regions of the island will see that between 80 and up to 100 kilometers per hour. Rainfall amounts so far 25, potentially closer to 50 millimeters. Higher amounts will be along the North Shore Mountains, but it is going to be a soggy one to kick things off for our Monday and taper off by Tuesday. Heads up, you'll want to check in with drivebc.ca for the latest road conditions. We're also tracking some snow, late snowfall. And for the Kootenai Pass, it'll pick up through the afternoon, taper off by Tuesday afternoon. But the Rogers Pass could continue to see that snowfall into Tuesday night. And the potential's there where we could see up to 15 centimetres. So we are looking at snowfall. That starts to develop as early as tomorrow afternoon. Northern half of the province, it's unsettled. It'll stay as rain along the coast, but it's areas inland that could see some wet snowfall.
snowfall changing over to rain. Central interior is included within that and the southern half. If you're traveling along the other mountain passes, we could still see a few flurries in the mix and locally between two and up to four centimeters. But it's the accumulating snowfall that we're seeing for both the Kootenay and Rogers Pass with up to 15 centimeters. Unsettled with on and off showers for most areas for the southern interior. And it's a wet and windy day for us across the south coast. Also to note, Whistler could locally see some snowfall overnight tonight with up to two centimeters. So we'll see the winds tomorrow, gusts of up to 60, rainfall amounts between 20. Some spots could get up to 50 millimeters, should taper off, but it is unsettled into early next week, on and off rainfall, and then temperatures back into the double digits. Jordan? Hey, but at least no window to scrape early in the morning. Yeah, that's good. That's a little good. bit of a break. Okay. Baby steps. Thanks, Yvonne. Families are enjoying the return of an Easter treat in Stanley Park. This long weekend, kids and those young at heart can enjoy a ride through the forest on board the Stanley Park train. Afterwards, they can also meet and take a picture with the Easter Bunny. The smaller scale spring event returns after a two-year COVID-19 break. Train ride is very popular. We've had lineups all day. We've been sold out for the entire event since two weeks ago. It is so nice to see so many people out here having fun. And the kids playing in the bubbles, the lining up for the Easter Bunny, just everybody's happy. It's been a really great experience. The Easter train operates again tomorrow, 10 to 4. Although the train rides are sold out, you can still go to meet the Easter Bunny. And who wouldn't want to do that? <laughs> Trains and the Easter Bunny, really. Perfect. Win-win yes. for everybody. <laughs> I know how you make that combination better. Throw in some sports. What's ahead? Uh, why not? Yeah, well, we'll talk uh, rugby. Rugby Sevens wrapping up uh, just a few moments ago at BC Place. We'll tell you who won it all. Canada uh, had another very good day. It's a young team that's just developing. They were hoping this tournament could uh, lead to some good things, and they showed really well. So we have the highlights of all that coming up. And uh, Canucks... Uh, not playing tonight, but keeping an eye on the out-of-town scores. Any help they can get, they will take. So we'll show you some of that as well. All right. Thanks, Barry. Also coming up, she had a good life in Ukraine as a preschool teacher, but the war forced her to flee. What she wants to do now that she's in Canada, next on the News Hour. Every day, Ukrainian nationals are fleeing their country for safe harbor. More than 30,000 have received temporary Canadian visas and can stay with friends and family. Global's Dan Grummet has the story of one woman who has both been separated from and reunited with her family. Still shaking off the jet lag, Deanna Bilavus in the black jacket on the left hasn't seen much of her new community, though there are plenty of reminders. Stachowa, right there. Yeah. Before the war in Ukraine started, Bilavus was living and working as a preschool teacher in the western Ukrainian city of Kolomaya. Kolomaya. Oh. right oh, there. Oh, there it is, right on the map. Fearing for her safety, her husband urged her to leave. She did. Uh, Bilavus was part of the massive influx of Ukrainians into Poland, where she lived with friends of friends, total strangers, for a month. Were you scared? To leave? Uh, yes. It was a very hard decision to leave, she says, my husband, father, and friends. Meanwhile, back in Canada, her aunt, who lives in Vegreville, helped prepare Deanna's application for a temporary visa. All stress we have, and waiting, waiting, waiting. 
According to Canadian Immigration, nearly 120,000 Ukrainian nationals have applied for temporary visas since March 17th. About a quarter have been granted. When Ukrainian nationals arrive in Canada, they're free to go wherever they please. Immigration Canada doesn't track which province or territory they end up in. But they say that they hear that many will go where they have existing family connections and support. Bilavus arrived in Edmonton last weekend. It's not only her first time in Canada, it was her first time on a plane. We was so excited, especially my sister who didn't see her daughter for three years. So it's very emotional, very, very happy moment. Dobra. Bilavu says she's happy to be here. Her next priority is learning English and hopefully getting a job. Her dreams have changed and some of the people in them are far away. I wish he could have came with me, she says, to this beautiful country. A place that's sure to evoke many fond memories of home and painful ones too. Dan Grummet, Global News. Many communities across the country have created homegrown fundraisers to support the humanitarian efforts in Ukraine. And this Easter, volunteers in Penticton came out in a big way to raise money for an ambulance overseas. Global's Taya Fast has more. Okanagan volunteers banked up a storm in preparation for a Ukrainian Easter bank sale in Penticton. We made it with love and passion. We've like been baking pretty much every evening. It's over 20 of us, honestly. And within an hour, we sold the first batch. Local Ukrainian vendors offered what they could to raise money, including a photo booth by donation, traditional Ukrainian food, as well as art. We were so happy that we were able to sell traditional Ukrainian food for Easter. We had kovbasa, we had pierogies, cabbage rolls, and we also had uh, traditional Ukrainian Easter bread, which is a sweet bread with raisins. The goal of the bake sale is to raise enough money to purchase an ambulance to help Ukrainians in hotspot areas. So far, we raised $8,625 from the prize draw that we had um, donations from local businesses like Save on Foods, um, uh, local businesses for the gift basket, violence. Um, and then now also we're still waiting for the final count uh, from the local vendors. A lemonade stand run by Sofia Kozachenko's family raised nearly $300. Her daughter is contributing those funds towards a goal of their own. There is a portion of the funds that are gathered by our girls with a lemonade stand uh, that is going to support a little center uh, for children with disabilities in Chernihiv. Um, yeah, they're, they're quite passionate about it. It was an emotional day for Sofia and her family as her in-laws fled Ukraine 10 days ago and are now staying with them in Kelowna. I can speak. I miss my land. My mother is still in Ukraine. Yes. As soon as the first uh, bomb exploded nearby, they just they took less than an hour to decide and just hopped on a train without a decision. They had nothing on them except for paperwork. Um, and a piece of deli that they couldn't even eat on a train because it was so crammed. The Ukrainian-Canadian Volunteer Association says their next goal is to raise money for displaced Ukrainians as they start to arrive in the Okanagan. TFAS, Global News, Penticton. Very delay has sports just ahead. Also still to come, the mother goose that chose the Kamloops Maternity Ward as the nesting spot for her eggs. Explore the Vancouver Aquarium. When you visit, you can see over 65,000 amazing animals across 120 exhibits, including a clever octopus, splashing sea lions, otters, and more. Plus, be immersed in a 4D movie experience. Info at vanaqua.org.
Don't miss To Kink in My Hair by Trey Anthony playing at the Arts Club Theater. See this heartbreaking and uplifting musical testament depicting the challenges and triumphs in the lives of contemporary black women. Tickets at artsclub.com. For RBC, I'm Michael Newman. RBC is brought to you in part by the Salvation Army's Transform, an evening of philanthropy to rebuild Vancouver's downtown east side. Well, perhaps you've seen the crazy costumes. It's all about rugby in downtown Vancouver this weekend, Barry. Mm-hmm. It might, might be a hangover or two <laughs> yeah, amongst maybe. those crazy costumers <laughs> tomorrow morning. Thanks, Jordan. Uh, Canada's Men's Rugby 7 program is in a total rebuild. 11 players retired after last year's Olympics, including stars Nathan Hirayama and Harry Jones, who are from B.C. Accordingly, Canada's had its struggles this season in the HSB season, ranked 13th out of 16 teams. But this week in Vancouver, they were hoping for some real growth, using that raucous hometown crowd to push their game to a new level. And it has happened. Canada nearly shocked number one South Africa on Saturday, and they also beat a very good Spanish side, which set them up for a very productive Sunday, playing on the consolation side of the tournament. Canada started off this morning against Japan, and the Canadians really dominated. Alex Russell to Phil Berna, who splits the defenders, jogs it in for the try. Canada jumping out 7-0. Canada had a big first half, now leading 12-0. Alex Russell going to use his speed down the left flank, just gets in for another try, and Canada beats Japan 29-12 to keep advancing on towards the ninth place uh, win. Now on to Scotland. Canada did not get off to a good start against the Scots. They were down 15-7 late first half, but Brock Webster picks up the loose ball and he scoots. He scoots against the Scots, runs it in for the try, 15-12. Scotland still led at the break, but Canada had the momentum and they kept it going in the second half. Cooper Coates gets rocked right there, but not before he makes the pass to Jake Teal. The Abbotsford boy runs it in. Canada's got the lead for the first time. And then Coates with a, a cheeky little kick ahead to Alex Russell. Canada wins its third straight, 26-22 over Scotland. They did lose to Ireland in the ninth place match moments ago, 17-7. But a great week for the young Canadians. And Argentina just won the cup, 29-10 over Fiji. Just 12 days to go in the NHL regular season. Canucks have uh, four big games this week, starting tomorrow night at home to Dallas. The Stars are seven points up on Vancouver, with each team having seven left to play. So catching Dallas is unlikely. The focus has really switched to the L.A. Kings, who do lead the Canucks by six points. But L.A.'s played two more games, and the Kings visit the Canucks late in the year. So the Canucks still have hope but only if they keep winning every game. NHL tonight, Nashville and St. Louis. The Predators, like Dallas, lead Vancouver by seven with seven to go, but the Preds have a very tough schedule. Tonight, one of those teams, the Blues, Braden Shen on the power play, ties it up 1-1. Now, St. Louis is 10-0-1 in their last 11, and they've scored a bushel of goals, 54 in that span. Vladimir Tarasenko really heating up. Bulls his way in for his 33rd. He's got eight goals in his last five games. The Blues exploded for a franchise record, seven goals in the second. Young Jordan Kairou, so talented, takes the pass off the skate, then rips it in to make it 4-1. And then the beatdown uh, continues. Braden Shen in alone. 8-3 the final. The Blues win it. Beware of St. Louis in the playoffs. Also tonight, Leafs and Islanders. Austin Matthews taking the night off for what the Leafs are calling a minor issue suffered last night versus Ottawa. But they've got Mitch Marner. Fires in his 34th. 
ties his career high with his 94th point, 1-1 after one. Second period, it's a nice play here. West fans, Alex Kerfoot leading the rush. Little fake shot and superb feed to Pierre Engvall. Ties it at two, and the Leafs have taken the lead. They lead 3-2 early in the third. Baseball today, Blue Jays and Oakland A's finishing off their three-game set at Rogers Center. Split the first two. Bottom of the second, San Diego Espinal off to a nice start. Base hit to left, scores Zach Collins, and the Jays take a 2-0 lead. Looks like Espinal is going to take a step up in his production this year. Then in the third, it's the former athletic, Matt Chapman, acquired by trade just about a month ago. Is that a productive start? Laces a base hit to center. Guriel Jr. scores seventh RBI already for Chapman and the Jays had a 3-0 lead. Jump to the ninth. Toronto up 4-3. Hand the ball over to the closer Jordan Romano the Canadian looking to extend his club record streak to 28 straight saves and he does it. Deep fly ball the center is caught. Romano has saved each of the Jays six wins this season. 4-3 the final. Toronto now 6-4 begin a series in Boston Tuesday. Meanwhile, longtime Blue Jays announcer Buck Martinez announced today he has been diagnosed with cancer and will be taking a leave while he gets treatment. Martinez says his doctors say he has a positive prognosis and that he's very hopeful he'll be able to be back later in the season to resume his duties on the broadcast. Martinez has been with the Jays organization since 1981 as a player, manager and broadcaster, and we hope Buck the very best. Final round of the RBC Heritage from Hilton Head, South Carolina. Jordan Spieth got off to a great start out of the bunker on the par 5 second. That is an eagle for Spieth, who also eagled the par 5 fifth, posted 13 under par. He's got the clubhouse lead. Patrick Cantley won back, playing the 17th. And Cantley, with a nice stroke here, will birdie that hole. And he, too, forces or post minus 13, so forces a playoff against Jordan Spieth. First playoff hole, that is not a good lie for Spieth, the old fried egg. But Spieth, one of the best out of the sand, and this is just a great shot. Jordan almost holds out again. Made the par there, Cantley can't answer, he made bogey. And Jordan Spieth wins the RBC Heritage in a playoff. Corey Connors, top Canadian, tied uh, 12th at minus 9. Adam Spenson and Adam Hadwin both tied 26th at 7-under. And Roger Sloan of Merritt, even par, tied 59. FA Cup semifinals, Chelsea and Crystal Palace. No goals until the second half. Kai Havertz passes it, will take a deflection under the right foot of Ruben Loftus-Cheek. And he will smash it home. 1-0 Chelsea. And then 10 minutes later, Mason Mount finding space. Takes the pass. Deftly finds the far corner. Chelsea going to a third straight FA Cup final. 2-0 over Crystal Palace. Chelsea will meet Liverpool at Wembley May 14th. Chelsea's lost the last two cup finals to Arsenal and Leicester City. NBA playoffs. Number two Boston taking on number seven Brooklyn. The team no one wanted to play. Boston had a big third quarter. Jason Tatum. Hits the three. Celtics had an 11-point lead heading to the fourth, but the Nets put the pedal down. Kyrie Irving had a game-high 39, including this three, to give the Nets a three-point lead with 46 seconds to play. But Boston had a chance on the final possession. Marcus Smart with the fake here. And then the pass to Tatum, who spins and lays it in to beat the buzzer. And the Celtics win it in dramatic fashion. 115-114 in Game 1 over the Nets. Raptors and 76ers Game 2 tomorrow. And we also wanted to mention Connor Bedard. 
fine, fine. What do you mean? The phenom out of North Bend is 50th and 51st goals tonight for Regina. Hit the 100-point mark as a 16-year-old. We know he will be the number one overall pick in the NHL, not this summer, but the summer after. So congratulations to Connor. One to watch for sure. Mm -hmm. Thanks, Barry. We will be right back with what we think is a perfect Easter story, the eggs drawing curious onlookers outside a Kamloops hospital. Is that Royal Inland Hospital in Kamloops are used to taking care of mothers and their newborns, but they're now watching over a new and different kind of family. We're just so lucky to have her. We've been watching her on a baby monitor in our nurse's station. While labor and delivery nurses at Royal Inland Hospital are busy helping mothers safely deliver their babies, there are other little ones just outside the ward. A Canada goose is awaiting their arrival. She's just got up and she's readjusting and we had a view of her eggs. There's three eggs under there and you can see the nest she's created in the gravel. It was March 31st when nurses noticed an egg outside a window on the ward. So with a little bit more exploring, we saw this mother goose out there and she worked for a couple of days laying her eggs. She ended up laying three eggs we started really watching and we set up a baby monitor so we could see her in the nurse's station. So many people are enjoying knowing that she's here. They come down and check our baby monitor. The nurses have band together and offered up any expertise they have. Monica Manderson has a hobby farm in Kamloops and has cared for geese eggs before. I hatched out a couple of goose eggs last year and I have um, these like Emden geese, which are obviously quite different from like Canadian geese because they don't fly, but they kind of have a similar gestation. Um, Canadian geese are somewhere between like 28 and 34 days. So we're, we're going with 30 days as when they're going to hatch. The eggs are expected to hatch around May 3rd. They've reached out to the BC Wildlife Park and a bird sanctuary in Burnaby to ensure they're giving the mom the best care. They're also amazed the mother settled outside the maternity ward of all places. What is the chances of that? First of all, for a Canada goose to set up on a rooftop outside of the window in the hospital, but she chose labor and delivery. Like she's right at the end of our hall. So it's very fitting. The nurses say looking out for the mother goose has been a nice break from their crazy work environment during the pandemic. It's one of those things where we haven't had a lot of great things happen. You know, over the last two years with COVID, it's just been like exhausting and a lot of nursing shortages and whatnot, right? And to have like this little new life that's a little different than our regular new life is kind of fun. Jack Lassen, CFJC News. Smart goose. Nice addition. Last word on the weather, Yvonne? Uh, wet and windy for tomorrow, so a heads up and very windy conditions for areas across the island with the wind warning in effect. All right, that's tonight's news hour. Thanks for watching. Krista Dow will be here with Global News at 11. Good night. Hi, it's Shauna, and I might be a bad parent because my kids think french fries are vegetables. Hey, it's Ryan, and I might be a bad parent because I went out for wings when my wife was in the hospital after giving birth. Johnny here. I might be a bad parent because in my house, the tooth fairy gives pocket change. But we're not alone. Len emailed us and said his six-year-old daughter's Tarzan moment going from love seat to lazy boy by curtains made him more proud than any dance <laughs> recital. And Andy left his two-year-old at the rink. All right, guys, I'm sure we're not alone, like Andy's kid. For stories and confessions like this, make sure you check out our podcast. It's called Bad Parents, and it's available wherever you get your podcasts. I left a glove at the rink.